0: Before the Fellowship was the greatest story you've never heard. I'm Dan. I'm Greg. I'm Cameron. Join us as we read and react to the Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. Last time, we read about Feanor reaching Middle-earth. As he and the Noldor reached the Grinding Ice, Helcaraxë. Feanor and those he deemed trustworthy took the Teleri ships and sailed to Middle-earth. Upon arriving, Feanor burned the ships. They left behind Fingolfin and his hosts who were left to cross the perilous ice. Fingolfin arrived in Middle-earth at the right, first rising of the moon. Today, we begin chapter 10 of the Quenta Silmarillion, which can be found on page 91 of the second edition. Chapter 10 of the Sindar. Now, has been told of the power of Elway and Melian increased in Middle-earth and all the Elves of Beleriand, from the Mariners of Kurdan to the wandering hunters of the Blue Mountains beyond the River Galeon, owned Elway as their lord. Elu Thingol, he was called, King Grey Mantle, in the tongue of his people. They are called the Sindar, the Grey Elves of Starlit Beleriand, and although they were Moriquendi, under the lordship of Thingol and the teaching of Melian, they became the fairest and the most wise and skillful of all the elves of Middle-earth. And at the end of the first age of the chaining of Melkor, when all the earth had peace and the glory of Valinor was at its noon, there came into the world Luthian, the only child of Thingol and Melian. Though Middle-earth lay for the most part in the sleep of Yavanna. In Beleriand under the power of Melian there was life and joy and the bright stars shone as silver fires and there were in the forest of Neldoreth Luthien was born and the white flowers of Nifrendil came forth to greet her as stars from the earth. It came to pass during the second age of captivity of Melkor that dwarves came over the blue mountains of Ered into Beleriand, themselves they named Khazad. But the Sindar called them Nogrim, the stunted people, and Gonerim, masters of stone. Far to the east were the most ancient dwellings of the Nogrim, but they had delved for themselves great halls and mansions after the manner of their kind in the eastern side of Ered Luin, and those cities were named in their own tongue, Gabil Gathol and Tumun Zahar. To the north, of the great height of Mount Dolmud, was Gabil Gathol, which the elves interpreted in their tongue, Belagost, that is, Mikkelberg. And southward was delved Tumun Zahar by the elves named Norgod, Grod, and hollowbold Greatest of all, the mansions of the Dwarves was Khazad-dum, the had Hathrodrond in the Elvis tongue, and was afterwards in the days of its darkness called Moria. But it was far off in the mountains of mist beyond the wide leagues of Eriador, and to the Eldor came but as a name and a rumour from the words of the Dwarves of the Blue Mountains. From Nogrod and Belegost, the Norgrim came forth into Beleriand, and the elves were filled with amazement, for they had believed themselves to be the only living things in Middle-earth that spoke with words or wrought with hands, and that all others were but birds and beasts. But they could understand no word of the tongue of the Norgrim, which to their ears was cumbrous and unlovely, and few ever of the Eldar had achieved the mastery of it. But the dwarves were swift to learn, and indeed more willing to learn the elven tongue than to teach their own to those of alien race. Few of the Eldar went ever to Nogrod and Belergost save Eol of Nan Elmoth and Mygen, his son. But the dwarves trafficked into Beleriand. And they had made a great road that passed under the shoulders of Mount Dolmud, and followed the course of the river Askar, crossing Gelion, San Athrad, and Ford of Stones, where battle after befell. Ever cool was the friendship between the Norgrim and the Eldar, though much profit they had, one of the other. But at that time, those griefs that lay between them had not yet come to pass and Thingol welcomed them. But Norgrim gave their friendship more readily than the Noldor in after days than to any others of elves and men. Because of their love and reverence for Aue and the gems of the Noldor, they praised above all other wealth. In the darkness of Arda, already the dwarves wrought great works, but even from the first days of their fathers, they had marvelous skill with metals and stone. But in that ancient time, iron and copper, they loved to work rather than silver and gold. Now, Melian had much foresight after the manner of the Maya. And when the second age of the captivity of Melkor had passed, she counseled Thingol that the peace of Arda would not last forever. He took thought, therefore, how he should make for himself a kingly dwelling and a place that should be strong, if evil were to awaken again in Middle-earth. And he sought aid and counsel of the dwarves of Belegost. They gave it willingly, for they were unwearied in those days and eager for new works. And though the dwarves ever demanded a price for all that they did, whether with delight or with toil, at this time they held themselves paid, for Melian taught them much that they were eager to learn. And Thingol rewarded them with many fair pearls. These Curdan gave to him, for they were got in great number in the shallow waters about the Isle of bellar but the Morgrim Norgrim, had not before seen their like, and they held them dear. One there was, as great as a dove's egg, and its sheen was as starlight on the foam of the sea. Nifimlos it was named, and the chieftain of the dwarves of Belagost prized it above a mountain of wealth. Therefore, the Norgrim labored longing gladly for Thingal and devised for him mansions after the fashion of their people, delved deep in the earth. Where the Esgalduin flowed down and parted Neldoreth from region, there rose in the midst of a forest a rocky hill, and the river ran at its feet. There they made the gates of the Hall of Thingol, and they built a bridge of stone over the river, by which alone the gates could be entered. Beyond the gates, wide passages ran down to the high halls and chambers far below that were hewn in living stone, so many and so great that dwelling was named Menogroth, the Thousand Caves but the elves also had part in that labor. And elves and dwarves together, each with their own skill, there wrought out the visions of Melian, images of the wonder and beauty of Valinor beyond the sea. The pillars of Menegroth were hewn in the likeness of the beaches of Orome, stock, bow, and leaf, and they were lit with lanterns of gold. The nightingale sang there as in the gardens of Lorien, And there were fountains of silver and basins of marble and floors of many colored stones. Carven figures of beasts and birds there ran upon the walls or climbed up on the pillars or peered among the branches entwined with many flowers. And as the years passed, Melian and her maidens filled the halls with woven hangings wherein could be read the deeds of the Valar and many things that had befallen in since its beginning and the shadow of things that were yet to be. That was the fairest dwelling of any king that has ever been east of the sea. And when the building of Menegroth was achieved and there was peace in the realm of Thingol and Melian, the Norgrim yet came ever and anon over the mountains and went into traffic about the lands but they went seldom to the Falas, for they hated the sound of the sea and feared to look upon it. To Beleriand there came no other rumour of tidings of the world without. But as the third age of the captivity of Melkor drew on, the dwarves became troubled. And they spoke to King Thingol, saying the Valar had not rooted out utterly the evils of the north. And now the remnant, having long multiplied in the dark, were coming forth more and roaming far and wide. These are fell beasts, they said, in the land east of the mountains, and your ancient kindred and dwell there, are flying from the plains of the hills. And ere lost, ere long the evil creatures came to Beleriand, over the passes in the mountains, or up from the south through the dark forests. Wolves were there, or creatures that walked in wolf shapes, and other fell beings of shadow. Among them were orcs, who afterwards wrought ruin in Beleriand. But they were yet few and wary, didn't but smell out the ways of the land, awaiting the return of their lord. Whence they came, or what they were, the elves knew not then thinking perhaps to be Avari who had become evil and savage in the wild, in which they guessed all too near, it is said. Therefore, Thingol thought for arms, which before his people had not needed, and these at the first the Norgrim smithied for them, for they were greatly skilled in such work, though none among them surpassed the craftsmen of Norgrod. Of whom Tilcar the smith, was greatest in renown. A warlike race of old were the Nogrim, and they would fight fiercely against whomever aggrieved them—servants of Melkor, or Eldar, or Vari or wild beasts, or not seldom their own kin, dwarves of other mansions and lordships. Their smithcraft, indeed, the Sindar soon learned of them. Yet in tempering of steel alone of all crafts. The dwarves were never outmatched, even by the Noldor, and in the making of mail and linked rings, which was first contrived by the smiths of Belgost, their work had no rival. At this time, therefore, the Sindar were well armed, and they drove off all creatures of evil and had peace again. But Thingol's armories were stored with axes and with spears and swords and tall helms and long coats of bright mail, for the hauberks of the dwarves were so fashioned that they rusted not but shone ever as if they were new burnished. And that proved well for Thingol in the time that was to come. Okay, that ends our reading. In summary, while the story unfolded in Aman, Eluthingol, formerly known as Elwe, and Melian established a kingdom, Doriath, and gave birth to their only child, Luthien. The dwarves awoke in the east and their dwellings across the continent. Some made contact with the elves of Beleriand and largely shared friendship, cooperation, and profitable cha- trade. The elves assisted Thingol and Melion in constructing a stronghold in Doriath called Menogoroth. the Thousand Caves. As the end of Melkor's captivity drew near, the remaining evil forces in the Middle-earth began to spread. At the advice of the dwarves, Thingol and Sindar began to arm themselves and actively fight off the beasts and orc. Beleriand held a fragile peace. All right. So
1: so I wrote some notes here just to, I feel like we need another geography recap and that kind of thing, because most of the story we've read so far takes place in Amman, or at least like the key moment so far, but now we're kind of back in Middle-earth, so can I run through some of these notes? Yeah, please do that. All right, so Sindar, that's another term that we're hearing more, and that's the title of this chapter of the Sindar refers specifically to the Elves of Thingol and Melian's domain. So there are a lot of other Elves around, but Sindar specifically refers to these ones. So technically they're Eldar because they made the journey, as opposed to the Avari, which are the ones that didn't make the journey. And they are Moriquendi, which means Elves of Darkness, as opposed to the Kaliquendi, because they didn't see the light of the trees in person. The only one of them that saw the light was Thingol, because he 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 did originally go. He was one of the early elf ambassadors that went to Amman. But all the rest of the Sindar are Moriquendi. And then they are also known. So this is where we have this, the sundering of the elves and that chart of the different types. They're also Umanyar, because they never dwelt in Amman. Um So that's them. That's the Sindar.
2: And they're the ones. So the Sindar would be the ones who started the journey, right? Right. And then um, Elway, Thingol, uh, got captivated captivated by Melian. Is that correct? right? And right. Stayed.
1: So he was Teleri, or He's part of the Tulare originally, and his hosts were. And they ended up staying.
0: Yeah. yeah so I got that's helpful. I've got an, a map up, which
2: Cameron. I don't know if you can see that. On I can add it. Add it. Um. So, d- check it out our YouTube channel. Yeah, Let's check see. out well, our
0: YouTube
2: yeah. chat. Yeah. Um, Greg, tell us using well, this we're, map.
1: We're like way we're just a small chunk of this. The the kind of where your cursor... so where your it cursor is. Just just is that's Helkaraxu, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So um everything below that southeast up until that first mountain range that cuts north south.
0: So in Oman. Go, keep going
1: southeast from there. No, 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 no other direction. So from so you go southeast. Baleriend? Yeah, Balerian is there. Do we and want to go in there? Yeah, because go in think, there.
2: Okay, I think I can click it. Hello. Okay, so... Now scroll down. Let me see if... Yeah, I can move So
1: Balerion right. is this kind of country that makes up this western chunk of Middle Earth. This whole chunk that's west of Arid Lewin Mountains. Yeah. Okay. Greg, you're um, still so cool. So that's yeah. the... So in the east... The eastern border of it is Arid which is the Blue Mountains. And yeah. then... On the south and west, it's bound by the Great Sea, and then to the north, it, there's more mountains up there, um, and they don't really go that far up there. But Angband is up there; that's uh, Morgoth's place, you know. So the the it kind of ends vaguely up in that area. Um, it runs up against Morgoth's realm up there, so. Uh, if you look at this map again, zoom in a little bit again, Dan. Zoom in, yeah. Uh, so that green chunk, kind of in the middle.
0: Yeah, Doriath.
1: That's Doriath, and that's uh, that's really where Thingol and Melian dwell. That's their kingdom within it. So, so we'll hear more about this later. But Thingol claims to be king of all of Beleriand, but really his his reach is Doriath. That's like kind of his his main thing. And uh, Menegroth is kind of on the west end of Doriath. That's their, That's the Thousand Caves. That's like this great, amazing thing that they built.
2: Is Doriath kind of a oh, geographic? Well, oh, there, uh, so, there it is. Boundary, and then Menegroth is the actual. Uh, Menegroth is like the city, like the city okay, of caves.
1: Yeah. Um, Doriath. Oh, is I it not just a mountain? Well, I think it's also called. I think Doriath is also called. Region, which is like the forests of the, that's why it's green in that map. That's like that forest area there.
0: Right. I was wondering if Menegroth was uh I I, oh, I guess it was the that the, the Thousand Caves place. Um is, is or it's a city over. or is it is a mountain range or what? Well it's like this whole
1: uh this whole place of Dingle like I guess it describes it as uh, how does it say it in the book it's like his his dwelling so it's not as as vast as a mountain it's just like
2: it was so in the encyclopedia of Arda it says that Metagroth was delved in the long years oh yeah yeah Yeah. so it would it would be you know the the actual caves uh, made by him
1: yeah Okay, zoom out a little bit more. Before we dive into more of the stuff, I just want to point out the dwarf stuff to you.
2: Yeah, I want to hear
0: about so, that. So
1: um, maybe you can spot these things on the map, but if you're looking at the Blue Mountains, which are the ones in the east part of balarian arid Luin, and the northern part of the Blue Mountains is Belagost, which is one of the Dorvan uh, caverns and, I don't know, chiefdoms, chiefdoms I guess, something like that. Um, maybe not quite that far, but okay. Uh, and well, then okay. no, oh, Belgos is,
0: is is actually in the south. Oh, Belgos,
1: Mr.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, uh, so the other one is Nograd,
0: yeah, that's Blue up Nines. here, that's up here, that's north, and
1: of then so those are like two of the main ones. And then the third main one is the one that we're already familiar with from Lord of the Rings, Kazadum, which is which where? is in the Misty Mountains. Which they're not even on; they're way east of this map. They're like way. Oh,
0: okay, oh, it's, it's part of the same range though.
1: No, oh. so that next range over is the Misty Mountains, I believe. Yeah,
0: it's it's the same range. Like it's well, connected.
1: I guess I don't know. I don't know how you Rocky any...
0: Mountains are the Rocky Mountains. You know what I mean? Even if they're not just in Colorado,
2: huh? Well, this map isn't very detailed either.
0: Yeah, I think you can zoom in. So this, oh, and this is just the first stage, by the way. Uh-huh. So if we click, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is this looks like this looks right. This is where the Misty Mountain is, right up here. Is that correct? Uh,
1: and then you end up. i I can't see it on that map, here. but um, I'd have to look at a different map. It's a pretty cool website. It's, it's far. It's very far east from everything that we're talking about okay Okay, so So that's that yeah that's kind of what we're looking Uh, at. it's
2: really helpful i'd recommend people check out that this youtube overview it's really really nice yeah this is arda-maps.org they've got
0: maps from each age so you can sort of look along uh we haven't talked about endor being ripped off in star wars yet so what we're we I gonna thought, do that last time. I thought time? about that <laughs> as, mean,
1: as, as soon as yeah, as soon as I read it, I thought that.
0: Yeah. Endor.
1: You just there's only so many names in fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> is
2: is Hell based on Hoth? Yeah, it must be, right? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. And then I think Ungoliant is an ATAT. <laughs> 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 wow i mean uh what, what do you guys want to talk about there's uh the dwarves are back yeah back in the show they're back in in the show but it's a
0: it's a retelling of their history is that right is that did i pick up that right i, I was i wasn't really sure because you in our summary we said um that the dwarves where does it say the dwarves awoke in the east and their dwellings across the continent that's so what we said in our summary, but I, is that what's going on in the context of this? Well, this
1: well, this chapter, this section that we read covered like multiple ages of time because okay, it's all within the the three ages that Melkor was in captivity. Yeah, but so pretty quick. The first paragraph is like in the first age, and then the second, then it's like then during the second age, and it just kind of goes on pretty quickly through the stuff. So it's really covering a pretty long amount of time. Can I go back even before the dwarves in this chapter, real quick?
2: Sure. Um,
1: I love this. We should point out that um, this is the first first mention of Luthien, who's going to be yeah. an important character in the future. That's the daughter of Thingol and Melian. And I love the way that it's described her birth and like the world, because you have to remember we're kind of jumping back and forth in different times. Um, but. This is before the sun and the moon have come up, and so they're still living in darkness in in uh, Middle Earth. But just the way it describes it, it's like, particularly Melian and Thingol. Like I think we read before that the light of the trees shone in Melian's face, and um, even though it's there's darkness there, there's something like there's like this little. Uh, oasis of immense beauty in Doriath, which is where they dwell because of the influence of Melian. And then, so it says, you know, um, when all the earth had peace and the glory of Valinor was at its noon, there came into the world Luthien, the only child of Thingol and Melian. The middle earth lay for the most part in the sleep of Yavanna, which I think means that, like plants hadn't really started blossoming or anything like that because it's still dark.
0: Yeah. something seasonal about that. Okay. Yeah. Sleep of Yovanna. Yeah.
1: Um, in Beleriand under the power of Melian, there was life and joy and the bright stars shone as silver fires. And there in the forest of Neldoreth, Luthien was born and the white flowers of Nifredil came forth to greet her as stars from the earth. So even though it's like dark there, there's a, uh, there's kind of a like a, a lightness to that that place where they dwell, and um, there's life there.
0: Cameron, can you quit, you look in your um, encyclopedia for um, Luthien's
2: Berthia? Berthian. <laughs> oh man, it's, it doesn't work like Google. Let me just search Luthien.
0: Yeah, you got to pull up his article.
2: Um born two ages before the return of the Noldor. That's helpful. Yeah, well, yeah, so what, what year? So is that's that? like
1: the first that's the first age of Melkor's captivity.
0: So what year? Give me. A There's year. No,
1: there aren't years yet. There's not even a sun yet. How can there be years? Um <laughs>
0: well there's years here
1: <laughs> it's before that it's it's all be- i see what you're looking at it's way before yeah. that it's three ages before that
0: oh wow okay yeah okay oh man three ages before the first age
1: all right it's time <laughs> to just end we're, we're, yeah. gonna, we're gonna yeah we're gonna abandon this enterprise
0: <laughs> No, no 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 you need to help me understand that okay because i don't understand it how is it three ages before the first age well, do you okay this is the key to
1: understanding this?
0: Yes, it is. So Melkor, tell me, teach me.
1: Melkor when he's caught by the by the Valar originally, he's sentenced to three ages of imprisonment. So that's how they're measuring this time right now. Okay. When it says like the noon of the Valar or the noon of Aman, it's like in the middle of these three ages where there's peace in the world because Melkor's
0: held captive. Fair play.
1: So by that timeline, this Luthien was born in the first age of Melkor's captivity.
2: And then in the second age, you have Melian getting concerned that the peace will not last forever. Right. And that's when they right. start to want to defend themselves, which is just, it sounds like she just has this prophetic, you know, uh, wisdom about her. Right. I'm cool. so glad Luthien's in the story. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm excited because you keep talking about him, and I guess we're getting, <laughs> getting to his story pretty soon. <laughs> it's close. a woman. It's her. Um, It's, her. it's
0: a woman. <laughs> Baron and Luthien, the story of them, right?
2: Yes. Yeah, would you rather be called Baron or Luthien? You know, what, I – Lutheran. Is it that joke?
0: <laughs> We're gonna get some bad reviews for that one. Oh, sorry.
1: Uh, no, no, but people will remember who Lutheran is.
0: Yeah, Lutheran. In yeah, she of... was a girl. That's the. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, Lutheranism. Yeah. She's Lutheranism. She's a good girl. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> This is the worst episode.
1: <laughs> um, how about the dwarves? Huh? How about hey,
2: Whether oh, the or not you like
1: so
0: what funny. you hear, go ahead and give us some pity and rate us three some some rules out of three. Let's actually talk you about the what, dwarves.
2: You know what people should do? Go into Discord, tell us what we should have said in this episode. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> next time we're just gonna do the uh, the AI script, we're gonna have a oh, yeah, a script, produce script and just read it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But okay, here's something I want to talk about.
2: Oh, this is gonna be good.
1: Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that vote of confidence. So, in Lord of the Rings, there's been like this ancient strife between dwarf and elf, mm. and they like they hate each other. But that's not mm-hmm. part that hasn't happened yet.
2: Doesn't happen. We're yeah, so far early
1: yet. in history that they actually haven't had that yet. They have a very prosperous, you know, symbiotic relationship together. They have different skills that they. You know mass have mastered and they share with each other but it you can see i guess the seeds of it maybe i know it mentioned that um like the dwarves really loved that big pearl it was like a robin's egg or something i don't know what, what kind of egg, a dove's egg they love that big pearl because they had never seen anything like it because they hate the sea so they would never go near there um so there's there's things that are kind of like fundamental differences between the dwarves and the elves, but right now they seem to be getting along just fine and the dwarves um I like this this point um, cuz the dwarves are kind of known to be greedy, right? <laughs> or I don't know, that's part of like their nature, I guess. Their dwarven nature, but
2: yeah, their dwarven says, hearts, you know, long for what they can dig for, like the treasures right
1: right be- uh, because they were created treasure. created by Ale and uh, anyway, so it mentions that when Thingle asked for assistance in building some kind of fortress and some you know, some uh, stronghold to fight off the evils of the world, it says that though the dwarves ever demanded a price for all that they did, whether with delight or with toil, which that's kind of a, a good detail, right? Like, even if they enjoy the work, they're still going to charge you for it. They don't do anything for free. But right. it says in, in this case... Uh, they held themselves paid, like they they had such a good bond with Thingol and his people that they actually did just do this work freely.
2: Um, I'm curious when we hear about the dwarves and the elves clash. That's interesting.
0: Well, there's, there is hints of it. So, like, I mean, you have the dwarves swift to learn, but they're not, and they, they'll they'll gladly like take like knowledge from the elders language, but they will not the elven tongue. Sorry. They won't want to share that with an alien race. And then Mm -hmm. um, like, it goes on to say that their friendship is cool.
1: Yeah. And there was kind of like a, um, I don't know, like a little bit of condescension from the elves. Like they're like, Oh, there's just these stocky weirdos. Yeah. Who have this disgusting language that I hate. That's what <laughs> Dingle was thinking. <laughs> um, I do like that, as always, Tolkien doesn't disappoint here. Every little thing has a name, including that big pearl. Yeah. Nymphalos. Nymphalos. Yeah. Like, of course it has yeah. a name. Every, All of these things have a name.
0: <laughs> I Something went- had a really weird name that was too close to gonorrhea for my liking in this.
2: Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> gonorrhea. <laughs> That should be your your name next time we record, Dan. How that was about, the no. that was
1: the the Elvish name for the Dwarven people is um, okay. Gon, yeah. Gonhirim. Gonhirim. or maybe Dan-hirim.
2: some other Gon-hirim <laughs>
1: It's it's so weird. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I hear. it. <laughs> oh
1: my. Do you think? Uh, what do you think? Do you think the name of this um, pearl shows up again any other times in the book? I would be or surprised if it did. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, we have a keyword to... search. Yeah. This is not exciting for our listeners. So talk about something else while I do this.
2: If you like what you hear. <laughs> you know what would be a great idea? You know sure. how we read the Silmarillion? Yeah. If we transcribe that and then print it and like sell the, the printing of our audiobook reading.
1: Wait, wait, I got it. I got
2: okay. it. <laughs> we're terrible at stalling. For the record,
1: for the record.
2: You guys all to watch <laughs> me juggle on audio?
1: <laughs> the great people are, I'm sorry, listeners. We, we owe you a better episode next time. You're going to think we were drunk this time or something, which we weren't. But now we know for sure the great Pearl Nymphalus is not mentioned another time in the whole book.
0: Yeah, I didn't think we needed to search that. <laughs> I think everybody <laughs> thought, yeah, there's no way it's going to be mentioned again.
2: So the name is Nymphalus, right? Yeah. So this episode goes out to Nymphalus. Yeah. A pearl.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. If you like what you hear, go ahead and rate us three rules out of three. And uh, check us out on YouTube as well. Our podcast is there. You can see the maps, the interactive maps there. Join us in the conversation on our Twitter and brand new Discord channel. Links can be found in the description. And send any comments or questions to before the fellowship at gmail.com. Join us next week as we read the greatest story you've never heard, The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien.